Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. To the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. And uh, it's going to be a cool second hour. It's going to be a hour full of Davids. All right. At the, at the second half of the hour, we're going to have David Hobbs on, talk some Formula One with him. But before that, we're going to talk to David Land of YouTube, who is at a racetrack uh, in New Jersey, I believe. Welcome to the show, David. Hi, reporting from New Jersey Motorsports Park. How are you doing, Steve? Pretty good. Uh, then that was a, a, a track that had, uh, you know, they had ARCA there. I think Trans Am Race there. What, what, what's going on with that? What's the status of that racetrack? So right now I'm at an SCCA uh, Formula uh, weekend. So like Atlantic uh, F1600, which uh, some people would refer to as Formula Ford, but that's the official name. Right. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now, hanging out with uh, Charles Ante of Anti Speed Racing. So that'll be that's kind of fun. Is that the car you were in uh, a couple weeks ago? No, but the Challenge Cup is here. That was a Formula V. I got to drive a Formula okay. V a couple of weekends ago, and and this is an F1600 team. But I think the car I drove is here. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I have to look around the paddock a it's, little bit. And it's still in one shape. Very good. <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> ah, just kidding i haven't heard that one before i know i know that was a cheap shot hey uh you know i i saw i saw your latest video uh and maybe or second from latest you talk about the matt de benedetto situation and the wood brothers and they also mentioned it yesterday i i, I thought it was kind of good that you know people just need to chill out can't they when when when, when somebody makes a decision it's not necessarily that person's decisions. There's also it's almost like an onion, especially when a, with, with a series like NASCAR. There's all sorts of other things involved when a decision is made, whether it's a sponsor, crew chief, driver, you name it. And so when they when they were making a change with the '95 car, it, it kind of sucked. But you know, you got a talented driver, and he did land on his feet, didn't he? Well, I've got to tell you, I think I think. Matt De Benedetto probably got off the best um, because ultimately you look at that uh, the uh, Levine car. Mm-hmm. It's only ever going to be the, the fifth best Gibbs car. You know, I don't think they want to let what happened with Furniture Row happen again, where that car was the best out of that stable. Um, so you look at the Wood Brothers, and you know, in a lot of ways, that's that car is kind of treated as a fourth Penske. So I, you know, to be honest with you, I think this is 
almost a better situation than what De Benedetto is in right now, and he's in a pretty good situation right now. It certainly is. And, uh, you know, we were talking in the first hour about, you know, the situation with Jimmy Johnson. You know, would we really be surprised if that we heard an annou- a sudden announcement that he's stepping away from the sport, especially with some of the drivers in, in the past, like, you know, with Carl Edwards and now Paul Menard and Matt Kenseth, who, who basically – was kind of like told to leave, I guess you could say. Uh, is 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 this a new breed of driver where, you know, they, you're you're not going to see a situation like uh, with Richard Petty or an AJ Foyt who maybe stayed a couple seasons longer than they should have. Yeah, well, you know, you you just you see it a lot more now with uh, with how early a lot of new drivers are brought up. Um, I think I've heard it said by some veterans before is that. You know, there's some drivers, there's a certain era of drivers where they were too young to get rides uh, in their prime, and by the time they actually started to prove themselves, they became too old to get rides. Uh, we, we're kind of in an era now where, where youth is served quite a bit. So like in the case of Matt Kenseth, uh, you see drivers kind of moved out uh, of, of programs to try to, to bring in younger younger blood. I mean, that's just kind of the way it, it all kind of goes these days anyway. Carl Edwards is a great example of that as well. You know, I shot a note to you about your – you kind of did a history on the Brickyard 400 and where it is today, and I thought it was some of your best work. Kind of t- talk us through that and, and and exactly how they can see that particular video as well as all your other videos but uh, and how you kind of came up with uh, your information on that because I thought it was fantastic and spot on. Well, sure. I mean, all my content is free to, to check out on YouTube. Just search my name, David Land. But um, – you know, one of the things that uh, that I thought was kind of important and I kind of noticed last year is a lot of people have kind of lost the perspective of what the Brickyard 400 is and why it's a big deal and why a lot of people get so upset about it every year. Uh, you know, I think a lot of younger fans kind of look at it as that event that that's, the racing sucks and the, nobody shows up. It's like, what, why do people, why does this matter to so many people? Why did people debate this so much every year? So I kind of wanted to create a video that kind of talked about the history and kind of put everything together because there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, kind of from 92, 93, 94, talking about it kind of in the future. uh, But there wasn't really something that had a historical perspective, you know, kind of stepping back 25 years and saying, okay, you know, what did this, what did creating the Brickyard 400 do for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? What did it do in the card IRL war? What did it do for NASCAR? Looking at all those things that it, that it kind of, it was kind of the linchpin in a lot of ways for a lot of those events that kind of transpired sure. over the next 25 years. Mm, it certainly was. And I, you know, I, the one thing I had forgotten is how much demand that in that first race in 94, what the demand and tickets were, I had forgotten that that thing could have been sold out many, many times. And I was at qualifying for that. It, I still say it's one of the greatest qualifying sessions I've ever seen just with, not only the amount of cars, uh, it was north of 60 that tried to get into that event, but also the different drivers, the diversity of the drivers, and everything. I mean, from Gary Bettenhausen to Jeff Brabham to A.J. Foyt to Danny Sullivan to even guys like H.B. Bailey. And, and, you know, just, and then you had some Winston West drivers thrown in there. It was such an eclectic group, and it was just, and, you know, sitting, I was sitting in a short shoot between one and two and, and, and low. So I could see the cars coming into turn one and they were just 100%, you know, just giving it all. And I mentioned uh, earlier this year about Tim Steele 
who was who had a, not the best car and knew he just had to nail the perfect lap and was out of control in turn one, hit the wall right in front of me in the short shoot, tried to save it in turn two, and then crashed coming out of turn, <laughs> you know, crashed at the exit of turn two. You know, it was a 15-second crash, basically. So, I mean, the, that level, the level of the competition back then, it was and it was it's such a it had the big event appeal to it. You had to see it. You had to be there. And now it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And I thought I thought you did a good job of of pointing out how big that event was, and for not only just people in Indianapolis or the Midwest, but just across sports. You know, whether it's Sports Center or even the you know the 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 person that doesn't really even follow racing. They knew this was a big deal, didn't they? Well, I think I think you know, and it's been said by other people than just me. But I, I think, in a lot of ways, it it was the kind of the thing that legitimized NASCAR, because everybody at that point in history knew if they knew racing, they knew Indianapolis, and suddenly you have NASCAR, this new series at Indianapolis, the first time it had happened in in eighty five years or whatever it had been at that point. Uh, so this, you know, this was such a significant thing. And I, again, that's a th- another thing that people don't realize now, because there's literally a go-kart race in Indianapolis now. I mean, literally every category you could possibly want to race. You can race in Indianapolis if you want to. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, there was one race, and you had to qualify for that one race. And that all changed with the Brickyard 400. Suddenly you had another opportunity to race in Indianapolis. You didn't just have to run IndyCars. Yeah, that is certainly true. We're talking to David Land. Uh, make sure you check out David Land, L-A-N-D, on his YouTube channel. And just so many things right now in racing. Um, I was going to talk to you about one, of, and I just had a complete, complete brain fart now. There was something other than one of your videos that I had written down here, and I cannot find it in my notes. But anyways, let, let's talk to, uh, while I think about what I was going to talk about, let's talk about Vegas. And um, with, with the arrow push, a great race last night. Austin Hill, I don't know if you saw that, but, it, it, you know, we, we've always said on this show that the truck race is usually the best race of the weekend at a NASCAR track. And I was just wondering, uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, coming up on uh, Vegas this weekend? So I did see the truck race. Um, I, I think the big loser out of that, the big winner, of course, was, was Austin Hill. Uh, but the big loser was Ilmore Engineering, blowing all the engines yes. up and really screwing over uh, uh, Thorsport, uh, which was which was great TV, but boy, oh boy, I felt bad for those guys who didn't get to race for a spot in their championship. Yeah, certainly. Um, in terms of, oh no, go on. No, I disagree. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, just and and uh, you know the and they have things happening right at the same time. It was it was embarrassing. Yes, um, in terms of Vegas uh, tomorrow, you know, it's so tough to to. To pick, I mean, I, th- I think it's you know, you, especially at Las Vegas. I think you look at a Kyle Busch. Um, I, 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 I'm hard pressed to think there's going to be a lot of shock in this year's playoff. I, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong. I just don't see anybody shocking the world in in you know coming from the 16th seed in that thing. I just don't see it. I know what I was going to mention to you was uh, you <laughs> you talked about the doing burnouts on the bricks. Oh no! <laughs> Boy, that became a big thing last year. It did. Um, it, you know, I, I'm just like, you know, and, and it's not just me. I mean, it's it's literally Doug Bowles, the president of the Speedway, who's who's told them repeatedly, just you, you can burn out wherever you like, just don't do it on the yard of bricks. 
uh, I feel like that was a simple request. And, you know, again, a, a lot of people misunderstanding kind of the history and the tradition at Indianapolis or maybe being a bit fine of it, uh, you know, got a bit upset when I suggested that maybe NASCAR shouldn't do that. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I just kind of embraced, uh, embraced the kind of controversy this year and just kind of uh, talked about it a bit more in the lead up to the Brickyard 400. Uh, can you talk IndyCar in the next segment with us? Sure can. That'd be awesome. All right, David Land will join us for one more segment. We'll talk some IndyCar racing coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from his YouTube channel is David Land. David, welcome back to the show once again. Glad to be here. Uh, this this next week coming up, we're going to have the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Uh, first time the IndyCar has been back since uh, 2004. And uh, those of us who always enjoyed the corkscrew and everything and the, the pass, Alex Zanardi and whatnot, uh, what does uh, Monterey or Laguna Seca mean to you coming back in the schedule? Oh, well, I mean, you mentioned it, the pass. Um, you know, I'm a young enough race fan where one of my very first memories was just looking at Alex Zanardi make that move on Brian Herta and it just sticking in my mind and just going, holy crap, this is the coolest sport you know, in the world. So, you know, it means a lot. I think, uh, I think, you know, there is just, you know, that one image of that track uh, that has been so ingrained in, in the consciousness of the, of, you know, everybody who thinks of IndyCar racing and it hasn't been on the schedule for over 10 years. So it's going to be fun to go back there. I don't know how the racing's going to be, but um, you know, it, it could be awesome. You never know. And it's it's a three horse race for the championship with uh, Alexander Rossi, uh, Simon Paginot gunning for Joseph Newgarden. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, of course, is in the catbird seat. But uh, what, what are you expecting with you know the double points race and everything? I I mean I expect Newgarden to win. I think it would be I think it's really unlikely. Even though you know Paginot and Rossi, those are those are some chargers. The problem is, I just don't think. I think it's like a forty-point gap between uh, Newgarden in first and then uh, Rossi and, and Pagano behind. I just don't see a many scenarios where Newgarden is going to lose that many points. Uh, even if he has a, a a not great day, you know, he's not going to lose the championship. And generally speaking, on the road courses this year, Newgarden has been fairly strong. He's at least been strong enough that that he hasn't been too far away from Rossi or Pagano when they have dominated races. So from that perspective, um, as long as Newgarden doesn't do what he did in Ohio and crash in the last lap, uh, I think he's probably going to win the championship. It'll be interesting to see if, if you know, Rossi can come in and kind of do what he did at Road America, get a pole and just start building out the lead. You, uh, you, know, you wonder if some tomfoolery can start with some of his teammates kind of slowing down a little bit or doing, you know, working on, you know, I just wonder what strategies between the, between the teams can play itself out. 
Well, we know that there's an extra car at Laguna Seca for Andretti with Connor Daly there. Um, I don't know if they, I don't think they would play games, but you never know. Um, the one thing that I think they can do, and we know from last season, is that Ryan Hunter Ray tends to really turn it on on tracks like this. Of course, um, I wouldn't say Sonoma is totally similar to Laguna Seca, but I mean it's it's close enough that I think. Ryan Hunter Ray is going to be pretty strong. We know Rossi's going to be pretty strong. Connor Daly's got a lot to prove. Um, so they're, they're going to have some fast cars in Dreddy Autosport. Um, so if you can build a, a points buffer between, you know, let's say Rossi runs away with the race, if you can get Connor or Hunter Ray third and fourth in the race, and you can get them ahead of, of Newgarden, you know, that's that's taking points away from Newgarden. So um, I think I think in terms of strategy, that's what you would hope to happen if you're with Andretti, but again, the, the Penske team is so strong. Um, the one thing that's working in their disadvantage, of course, is that they have two drivers going for the championship, and really only Will Power it can can play a buffer or or move out of the way if he needs to for points. And then, uh, you know, I think if you're talking numbers game, Andretti has it. But again, I just I, it's such an insurmountable lead. It's going to be really really tough. Yeah, I, but we've seen it happen before, and. You know, we've seen races where, you know, unfortunately, uh, I know one a couple of years ago, you know, the driver just seemed to pucker up and it just, it didn't, you know, force errors and whatnot. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see. I'm re- really looking forward to it. And I know there are some people that are against, you know, the, the, the double points, you know, racing, but I, you know, Indy in the last race of the year, I mean, I, I like it. I mean, why not? Cause, uh, I, I don't like. You know, okay, if the guy's dominating, you know, then I, maybe I may feel the other way, and you get a, a champion that may not be as worthy. But I think any any of these drivers that would win between Pagano, Newgarden, and Rossi would be a worthy champion in the IndyCar for this year. Uh, what, what, what's kind of stuck out this year for you uh, as a surprise? Um, man, I, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll say it. I, I mean, it's turned into a bit of a controversial thing to say, but I think, you know, Santino Ferrucci, who, who would have thought that that guy would be, uh, would adapt that quickly to mm-hmm. IndyCar racing and, and look that good. And, and honestly, you know, he, Sebastian Bourdais is a five-time champion. Uh, you know, a lot of people forget it because he did it in champ car, but I think those championships are just as legitimate as the ones in the Indy racing at the time, maybe a little bit more considering how many drivers are still around from those days. So looking at it from that perspective, I mean, Santino Ferrucci is beating him most weekends by a pretty significant margin. And I, I think that shouldn't be lost. I think, um, I think he's probably been the most surprising thing because I think a lot of people thought he would have some character issues or just some judgment issues, and he hasn't shown any of that uh, this season. Um, so he's matured as a driver, matured as a person, and been able to really, you know, step on the gas this year. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, I, I we we had a press thing uh, junket down in Indianapolis before the Grand Prix. I interviewed him, and he had just got done practicing on the oval, and was like real. I guess his nonchalance uh, of racing on the oval was a concern for me. And I thought, oh, this kid ain't going to make it through the month of May without crashing. And it was impressive. And I ran into him at Road America. I said, hey, just to be honest with you, I didn't think you were going to get through the month of May without crashing, but you really impressed me. And he was like, oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, drivers are a different breed, aren't they? And, uh, they're you know, sometimes we can take their – 
nonchalance for uh, arrogance or whatever you want, but I mean, he is a special driver and I think we're seeing it. And yeah, this is a guy who, you know, let's, let's face it. I want to say he was forced on us, but I mean, if you watched the F1 races back in the day, you know, there was a lot of Santino Ferrucci news and, you know, this is the kid, you know, is he another Scott speed? Is he going to make it through there? And he was making his way up the ladder, but just the politics of, of, European racing kind of bit them, didn't it? And uh, but certainly it, it's our gain for the U.S. fans uh, seeing a driver his quality in the IndyCar series. Well, yeah, I mean, you always hear about. It. I mean, ever since Michael Andretti um, in Formula One, anytime there's an American that even gets a sniff of it, you're going to hear a lot of naysayers. It's just mm-hmm. it's just the way it goes, um, you know. And sometimes, uh, like Ferrucci, you have them have a pretty spectacular blowout. And, uh, you know, makes international headlines and, you know, but, but again, it kind of goes back to that point I made about NASCAR that young drivers are so valued these days that they're, you know, I think in a lot of ways they're rushed up uh, a lot of times before they're ready to mature into their drivers that they need to be. And then suddenly once they've been rejected from formula one, they get a shot at IndyCar and suddenly they look like a driver that probably shouldn't have been shunned out of Europe so quickly. This just ends up being the way it Alexander Rossi is another great example of that. Uh, You know, a driver that, that, that had a lot of pressure did actually get the formula one for a couple of races. But when, you know, when he got to IndyCar, it was like, man, boom on it. Well, and Colton Herta, who's been so impressive too, of course, winning, uh, down at Coda and that, you know, and he was the driver. Everybody was talking about him, Pato Award. Of course, Pato Award has moved on to uh, with Red Bull and, 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 and their uh, development uh, series. But uh, Colton Herta has been so impressive. But I think with Ferrucci, when you compare the two, what's so impressive with Ferrucci is his consistency and, and the amount of laps he's been able to run compared to Herta, which – course he's had some mechanical issues not his fault but it, that's been so impressive too is is he's been able to finish all these races and race after race after race he looks so good doesn't he yes um that is the thing santino has had reliability over herda no doubt about it um i think michael cannon the engineer uh for that team has done wonders uh that's another thing that i should bring up is it's perucci has had a really good engineering team behind him this year uh, and again, the reliability has been there versus Herta. I think I think Herta is just as impressive as a driver. I mean, think about how much he runs up front. Uh, just unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, and he has made a few mistakes as well. Um, but but you know, he has mechanical failures, and that's something that that only bit Ferrucci uh, at uh, Portland. I mean, it was the first time he hadn't finished a race, so that was um, that was a unique uh, thing for him that year. And we've just seen it so much with Herta this year. It's hard to kind of compare them you know, fairly based on the reliability. What do you think of Norman and the Borg Warner trophy? <laughs> I've always, I've never been the biggest fan of the dog, of the IndyCar wives, dogs or whatever. Uh, you know, Norman's fine. Um, you know, and it's on Simon's trophy right. and it's not on the actual trophy. So I don't have a problem with it. I think, I think it's a good little gesture, uh, good PR for Borg Warner. It, it, you know, I don't have a huge problem with it. Now, if they put it on the big trophy, <laughs> then maybe I'd be talking about it a little bit more, but uh, just doing that for the personal trophy, I don't have a problem with. I think it's good pub. Yeah, they're, they're certainly getting a Norman is a is a special dog. That's a neat dog, uh, and I want them to put him on the ticket for next year. That that is the that, one thing yes. I do want that that the photo of him barking is that needs to be on the ticket. Well, so much so that my my fan is, 
my my wife has become a fan of Simon even before Norman, and and she actually bought a photo of that one shot of him in Victory Lane with Norman barking. Uh, I I, th- I thought that was a really cool cool moment in indie history to to have Norman barking like that in Victory Lane with everybody cheering. That was pretty cool. Yes, cheering along triumphantly as his uh, dad wins the Indy 500. Yeah, that was a that's that's one of the iconic shots of the last few years. It certainly is, David. We certainly appreciate it. And how how do we see your videos again? Check me out on YouTube, David Land, D A V I D L A N D. All right, David Land, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll we'll, t- we'll chat to you. We'll do a wrap up of the IndyCar series in the next couple weeks here. No problem. Can do. Can't wait. All right. Thank you, David Land, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local, common-sense lending to your community since 1935. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, David Hobbs. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.